Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Travis Johnson. Travis is the host of the Nonprofit Architect podcast, a certified podcast strategist, and CEO of a media production company. His podcast is number four in the U.S. in his niche, top eight in seven countries, and ranked in the top 5% globally, and a podcast that I was recently featured on. He is the only professional podcaster with an accredited podcast course, which can be found at Forbes Business School and Belhaven University. His show was recognized in the top 15 veteran-hosted shows by Podcast Magazine, and he has hosted both the Veteran Podcast Awards in Miss Crossroads, Oklahoma. Today, Travis and I are talking about teams and why and how you need to develop your teams, why it's not just enough to hire experts, but why even when you get those experts on board, you need to put them through good onboarding so that way they can be the team member that you need them to be. One of the things that we forget a lot is our company is different than other companies doing the same thing. We use different terminology. We have different processes. We as business owners have different expectations. And in this episode, Travis shares a number of examples of how you can set your team members up for failure when you just assume that everybody knows what you know instead of taking the time to teach them. So let's jump into the episode and hear from Travis about why and how you should develop your team if you want your team members to be successful. And guess what? If you want your business to be successful, your team members need to be successful. Hi, Travis. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Growing Your Team podcast. Hey, I'm glad to be here, Jamie. Thanks for inviting me on the show. Yes, you're so welcome. All right, before we get talking today, can you take a moment and introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Travis Johnson. I currently host the Nonprofit Architect Podcast. I also run the podcast Titan, where we have do-it-yourself, done-with-you-and-done-for-you models of doing podcasting. We're the only professional podcast team that actually has an accredited college course you can go to Forbes School of Business or Bellhaven University if you're already enrolled there, take my podcast class, get college credit, or if you're not going to those schools, you can sign up at the link, nonprofitarchitect.org slash resources, the ultimate podcast courses there. You can take it, transfer in credit, or if you're not in school, you can just go ahead and take it anyway, just for fun to learn to see how everyone does it. But I've got I just retired recently from 22 years in the Navy. I did 11 years enlisted 
12 as a commissioned officer, and I'm so thankful for my time in. But I mean, just a hair more thankful that I'm all wrapped up and done. Yes, I'm sure it's probably one of those things where it's like, okay, great, fantastic while you're in it. But it's like, oh, now now you probably have a little bit more control over everything in your own life. That's exactly right. Yes. So obviously it sounds like you are very knowledgeable about podcasting, but what got you into podcasting to start with? You know, someone had to convince me that I should serve a podcast. I had been a guest a couple of times and I was doing some nonprofit work when I was stationed in the U.S. and I got stationed overseas and I was talking to some people out there and I'm like, you know, I got to find something to do where I'm going to be productive and, you know, help keep me out of trouble. If I don't have enough positive things to do, I'm going to get myself in trouble. And they're like, you know, you could probably start a podcast. And I'm like, me, I could like, no, I'm not a podcast guy. They're like, you got the voice for it. And anyone listening to this right now, you, you're like, oh, yeah, of course. But we always <laughs> hear ourselves like a little bit differently than everyone else hears us. Right. So he right. had to like trick me, record me when I wasn't paying attention, just on like a forest recorder on his phone. And then he played it back for me. I was like, who is that man with the golden voice? He's like, man, that's you. And so he convinced me to start my own show and no audience, no following, no real yeah, a little, little knowledge in the industry for nonprofits, but we started and three months later, we were number four in the U.S. Wow. Well, congratulations on that. Thanks. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. And I would say like, you know, when we met uh, a few weeks back and everything, and we were talking, you're also very, very easy to talk to and get the conversation going, which probably also makes you a great podcast host because, you know, you're just able to pull out a lot of really good things from people. I just really like talking to people. I really like to listen. I really like to hear their story and their point of view. And although I might add to the conversation, like most of the time I'm not argumentative unless you're just like being a complete jerk, you know, then I'll be like, come on, man, like we can't do this. But most of the time I just want to, I want to hear it. I want to know. I want to find out very curious about other people. I, uh, last year I finished up my master's in human relations, which now means I'm qualified to relate to humans. So that's exciting. (laughs) Before you weren't, no. No, nope, nope. Been working my tail off day and night for 40 years trying to figure out how to how to communicate with humans and uh, finally figured it out. So that's good. <laughs> right. But speaking of humans let's, and uh, liking people and all that stuff, let's talk about people within your business. So you have this podcast, you have this podcasting course, you're doing all these great things and you're not doing it alone. So tell us a little bit about your team. Yeah, we've got a team. I've got my uh, my point gal, Laura Lee. She does and handles the rest of the team. And everything she does is just top-notch, top-quality work. I would not be able to do anything that I do with my business without Laura Lee. So uh, huge props up to my Canadian sister that takes care of my team for me. But, uh, you know, it wasn't always just as smooth as we would like to be. I had a, a different team when I started and was very frustrating in the beginning and I wasn't getting what I wanted and I wasn't, I wasn't getting the product out right. It wasn't coming out on time. And then I got really frustrated. I was like, I'm just going to fire him. And I was like, wait a second, what do I know from all my military training? And I started going through a list of questions that I always ask myself for any team that I've ever dealt with. I said, are they qualified to do the job? And were they? That answer was yes. 
was like, have they been trained? And that was uh, a maybe, right? I know they've had some training, but I didn't train them specifically. So that was a maybe. I was like, do they have the capacity? And I don't know what the rest of their life looks like, what the rest of their day looks like. So that's the one I had to ask. And the one that really, really like kind of punched me in the gut was, have I set my expectations? Have I told them what I expect? What level of the quality of work? What kind of timeline I expected that and why I feel that way? That was a resounding no. And then the last question I had was, have I given them the space and the time to actually do it? That was a yes. So I had to go back, right? And I had to go through and be like, have you guys ever done this before? And they're like, you know, in all honesty, we haven't done it this way before. So I took the time. I created a couple of short videos and I sent them to the team. And then they had the training, right? That came up. I asked about their day-to-day life. And it turns out they were kind of um, haphazardly running like six or seven businesses. And I don't think any of them was really going well. And I really sat down with them and asked them, you know, what was their desire? What was their pursuit? What was their full-on thing? Because when you're getting pulled in so many directions, it's hard to do anything well for anyone, not for them, just for anyone. And then I actually listed out and set all my expectations in an email because I went back through all my stuff and I hadn't told them what I expected. And it's funny fact, when you get those questions answered and you sit down and spend a little time with them and you give them a little bit of training and you let them go and you tell them, you know, your guardrails, you get them going down the path and you tell them what the left and right bumpers are that people could do pretty dang good. Uh, so they went off and they did everything great for a long time. It turns out they had actually hired Laura Lee and that was part of the reason that they had gone, gotten so well and everything was running smoothly. And I'm not sure what happened, but there was a, a point in time where I guess they had got her to do some services, but hadn't paid him, paid her for them. And she was like, she got to a point, she's like, I can't, I can't keep doing work for you again, not getting paid. Uh, and she left the company. And then immediately we reverted back to the very beginning and at this point, just about everything in my production, I, you know, I was up to like 135 episodes or something like that. And everything was running pretty smoothly every week. And as soon as she walked out the door, I found out quickly that it was her doing all the stuff and not the rest of the team. Um, had to make the very tough decision uh, to part ways with my old team and go on to a new team. That's never an easy call. That's yeah. never an easy decision. We want the best out of people. We assume they're doing their best. Uh, but sometimes the best just is not, isn't going to work for the, the situation. Right. So, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You, you talked about like so many th- good things there that I want to circle back on, but like, we're going to start there right at the end. And I feel like it's especially, you know, we care about humans. We care about people. And it's sometimes hard to make those decisions to say, okay, this isn't working out. Like we need, we need to part ways because we care about the people on the other side of those mm-hmm. decisions. Yeah, but absolutely. as I remind people, you can care about the people on the other side of those decisions, but you have to do what's right for your business. You can't keep paying someone money if they're not producing the product that is needed, if they're not providing the service that you're paying them to do. And it comes to that point of like, you're doing them and your business a disservice by keeping someone that's not working out. So they're tough decisions you have to make at times, but make them. You know, don't keep people just because you care about the people. Absolutely. We had, after she left the team, I had three 
products get published. And all three of them had a boatload of mistakes on them, which the mistakes can be fixed. That's not the end of the world. Uh, the thing that, that got me is when I was talking to a potential client that was going to come on and use my production services, I didn't want to onboard him as a client. I didn't want their mistakes to be under my name and my business for this new client coming in. I couldn't, I couldn't reasonably say, yeah, come on board. We're the best. I'm not, I, I I'm a BSer, right? I like to have fun and joke around, but I'm not a liar. Right. Right. I'm not going to, you know, if it's, if it's super happy, fun time and we're joking around or ever like that BS is going to fly. And they'll be like, is that a real story? And I'll, I'll tell you yes or no. Like, yes, let me tell you about this or no complete fabrication. Right. But when it got down to the business stuff, I was like, if I'm hesitating to onboard a new client because the way that my team is being run right now, like that's impacting my business. I can't, I can't do that. It's not fair to the client. It's not fair to me or my brand name. It's not fair to the team if they're not, if they're not working out. We spent, um, we spent nearly three years together. I think when they brought in Laura Lee, they kind of just handed it all over and she just ran it and they were able to do other pursuits. So by the time it got back to being all on them, all of their, you know, the, mem- the, the muscle memory of doing all the things had all withered away and they were unable to, to do the things. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other thing I want to circle back is you, you asked yourself those questions and you went through it and you realized what was lacking and where you needed to focus. And for the most part, the areas that you're like, Oh, nope, that's a, no, that's a, maybe all around was around training and expectations. And I feel like that is an area where so many people lack, like it's the area, if they ask those same questions, when they're not happy with their team, they would probably have the same answers. And I feel like we get into this habit of we're hiring someone, they should know what to do. So I don't need to do that. And I, and I always remind people of like, you can have someone that, yes, they know how to do the technical part of the job, but do they know how to do the job inside your organization? Do they know what what it means to be right. Do they know how to access your stuff? Did you tell them, okay, like let's, let's go to podcasting. Did you even tell them like, here's like the intro. I want you to put on every, like every episode. Here's like, here's where you access the outros or anything like that. Like there's so many things where you need to train people, even if they are experts and what they do, because they don't know how to do it for you. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing with the expectations One of the things I always say is if you don't set the expectations, your team members will, and chances are their expectations will not match yours because they're a different person, a different point of view, different everything. And if like, you don't tell them what you want, they're probably never going to do what you want. Yeah. If they could read your mind, they wouldn't be working for you. They would be half making billions of dollars somewhere else if they could read minds. It's interesting. Like, so in the, in the military, Everyone goes through basic training. Then just about everyone, not everyone goes through some kind of job specific training, what their, their rating or their MOS is. And then they get pushed off to some kind of unit, something kind of school. I was in aviation, so you're going to a squadron. Generally speaking, there's that airplane specific school you would go to for your job, right? So you've got basic military training. You've got trained in the job field that you're in. 
And then you get trained on the specific aircraft you're in and they show up. But by that point, they've never used a screwdriver on that airplane and taken off that panel. They don't know where anything is. They don't know how to do all the paperwork. So you have this huge amount of on-the-job training. You have this huge amount of different qualifications, mostly based on proficiency and, and safety standards. And then every job you do in aviation has a worker and an inspector. And when someone's brand new, they're not out there working on their own. They're working with someone. And you have someone every, everywhere, step-by-step, side-by-side doing everything. It was crazy because when I got into the nonprofit world, it's like they had less time than in the military. It's like, come in and do, 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 do. Never time to train. Never time to build the team. And most of the time, the executive director was trying to do it as a volunteer job. And if you were spending all your time doing, when on earth do you have time to strategize? When on earth do you have time to train your team? When on earth do you have time to acknowledge your volunteers or, I don't know, be human to each other? When do you have the time for that? Right, right, exactly. And when we were chatting the other week, you brought up um, an experience that you went through where, you know, you were very, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, like very skilled and knowledgeable about what you did, but you were put in a new situation where you didn't understand the the terminology that they were using. And I think you're mm. like, you, when you made comment about that, you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And they're like, how do you not know what we're talking about? Like you're, you're supposed to be an expert. You're supposed to be skilled. And then I think you said like, well, here, do you know all these terms and went back into that. So tell us a little bit more about that. Cause that's one of the things like sometimes we're, we're so ingrained in what we do. Mm-hmm. We fail to realize what someone new needs to learn. Yeah, absolutely. It's always, uh, when you go into a new room, especially if you're a presenter or you're an instructor, you first thing you do is you canvas the room to figure out where everyone's experience levels are. Because if you don't know where everyone's starting from, you don't know what things to emphasize, point out, or all those things. So I went to, it was like my 19-year mark in the Navy. I went to the Navy War College, and they had this operational planning course, which is really cool. Um, But they dealt mostly with different fleets and battle groups, all these different types of ships, and then how they would do interactions and different things. Uh, We had all these different scenarios that we did, which was really cool. But... I have spent essentially my entire tour in the strategic world worrying about the nuclear triad and fighting nuclear war and presidential communications. I had, at that point, my 19-year mark, I had 21 days at sea. I had never done, uh, the only things I did at sea were launch and recover airplanes off the aircraft carrier as the most junior guy. I didn't know what the heck was going on. They said, this is the flight schedule. You show up, you do the thing you know how to do. You make sure you don't die. You send the airplanes off safely. They come back, you service the airplanes and they go do it again. But most of the other people in the room had spent their career on ships. They had years and years and years on ships. And they had done all sorts of training exercises and they'd worked with the Marines and they had done things with foreign nationals. Many of them had done humanitarian efforts like Operation Tamagotchi when there was that uh, nuclear meltdown because of the tidal waves in Japan, like they had done those things, but I hadn't been around with the ship Navy or they call it the surface Navy ever in my whole career. I was at the 19 year mark and they started speaking in acronyms and acronyms are a fantastic way to save time. If everyone understands them, 
Right. So they spewed out an acronym and I'm not ashamed to raise my hand. I don't know something, man. You expect me to know by the end of this class and I don't know it now. I got to raise my hand. Like, what is that? And they looked at me crazy. Like, you don't know it. Like, you don't know what that is. I'm like, no, you know, I don't know what that is. And it came up again. And I got some, some weird looks like some very, cause I was very senior for my time in and uh, something else put my hand up. I was like, I don't know this. I was like, can we not use acronyms? Cause I don't know what any of these are. And finally they stopped the class. I was like, do you want to tell us why you have no idea? I'm like, I spent my whole time in the nuclear world. Like, do you want to talk about this? Do you want to talk about this? Do you want to talk about this, this, and this? Come on, we've all been in for 19 years. You guys know what this is? And they all kind of chuckled. I was like, I, was like, I just don't have the background in this specific area. And so regardless of how much time I have and how senior I am, whatever my rank is, I'm not ashamed to say I don't know. Because by the end of it, you're going to expect me to know. And if I don't ask now, I'm never going to get it. Yes. Yeah. And like, I love, I love that, uh, you know, experience that you share because there's so many important things there. It's like, you got to make sure people actually understand what you're talking about and don't just make assumptions that they know what you're talking about, even if they're highly skilled, because you might be using a different system that they're, that they're used to using, or you might even be using the same systems, but you refer to things differently. So Mm -hmm. it's like making sure people actually understand and not thinking that someone asking questions means that they're not capable. Like they're asking questions because they want to understand, they want to do things well and allow that opportunity for questions. Oh, it's, it's, it's vitally important. Most of the time you're asking for clarity because you want to make sure you're going on the right path. And it seems that there's a lot of people unwilling to ask questions. And there's a couple of things I can talk about. I remember going into, well, I was working I was an instructor in the Navy and the guy that was kind of uh, giving us all our tasks, he would always say, Hey, come in here. Like, Hey, do this. And eventually I got to where I could be like, Hey, I'm already, I'm working on this and this and this, where would you like this to fall out in my priorities? And what I discovered is he would either change my priorities, tell me where to put it in, or because he knew I was working on other things, he would task someone else to do the thing he was asking for. And it was nothing more than me clarifying to make sure I knew where the push was. And then the other thing I wanted to mention about question asking is I worked in the Kingdom of Bahrain for a year at the Fifth Fleet headquarters. We had the commander who was a three-star. And this guy had spent 30 some odd years in the Navy already. He had all the medals, all the rank, all the experience. He spent his entire day, every day, asking questions because everyone in the office, everyone on the watch floor, everyone that was interacting with the foreign nationals or performing the operations, right? He wasn't doing any of those things. Other people were doing them. So we had to figure out what was going on, what the situation looked like, you know, what needed to be adjusted. But in order to do that, his entire day was spent asking questions. And there wasn't a single person that would ever tell you that they didn't think he didn't know what was going on, right? His whole job was to ask questions to make sure that he could give a proper assessment and situation to the four-star. And he wouldn't know that unless he spent all day long asking questions. Yeah. Yeah. Questions are a great way to uncover information, a great way to make sure that you have proper understanding and, and everything. So it is super, super important. So one of the things I want to ask you, because obviously you spent 20 years in the Navy and now you're not 
what were some of your, maybe your biggest surprises or differences when all of a sudden you're used to dealing with people in the military and now you're leading people and working with teams outside the military? Well, it's very different. Um, some of the things that really are ingrained in you, especially early in the military, is you're showing up on time in the uniform of the day with the right amount of grooming, ready to work. And there's a very clear hierarchy of who's in charge and what your responsibilities are. Uh, very, very clear for the, for the vast majority of all those things. And you're dealing with people and they're late to something. I don't have a problem being, with anyone being late, but it's ingrained in me that if I feel, if I feel like I even might be late, I shoot them a message. Hey man, uh, I'm running a little behind. I might not be on time. Uh, I'll, I'll let you know, I'll check in right when I get there. And it's just a courtesy to let them know that you're making your way, you're making an effort and, and all those things. And I set up a little breakfast kind of coffee meeting at nine 30 or nine o'clock. And I got up, I was excited for the meeting. I went there, I got like 20 minutes early, which now I'm realizing I don't need to do that anymore. But uh, I got there and, you know, right at nine, I'm like, Hey, I'm walking in. And they send me a message like, Hey, I'm going to be about 20 minutes late. I know where this person lives and it's an exact 20 minute drive for them. And I said, are you getting in your car right now? Are you in your car? And they said, yeah. And it was not true. And they were 40 minutes late. Wow. And now I showed up. I was there. I sat there. I, I really wish I wouldn't have stayed. But uh, it turns out they woke up at 8.30. If you wake up at 8.30 and you're going to be somewhere by 9, you basically got to be out, in the house, out of the house in 10 minutes. At that very moment is where I wanted to send a text and be like, hey, man. I woke up late. I don't know if there's any chance. There's no chance I'm going to make it there on time. Do you want to reschedule? And if they would have texted me then, they would have caught me before I left my house. Been fantastic. But instead, they showed up 40 minutes late. What kind of, um, what kind of conversation can they expect to have when you're 40 minutes late? What kind of disregard do you have for someone else's time if you're 40 minutes late? Especially if it's a one-on-one -on -one meeting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think like it shows in a lot of ways, like a disrespect for the other person's time. Oh, I'm more important than you. So it's okay that I'm 40 minutes late because you're going to wait for me. And it's like, uh, no. Yeah. Not, no, happening. Not, not at all. I am perfectly qualified to waste my own time. I don't need anyone's, anyone's help wasting <laughs> my own time. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, it's really funny because like you made comment of like you got there early and uh, we have a cousin who did 20 years in the Navy. And when he got out and then he moved down to where we are, he, like we'd have him over for dinner and sometimes he'd show up like 45 minutes early and we're like, what are you doing? Like you're supposed to be here at five. Like you do not need to be here at 415. And I think there was one time where he showed up. And like, we ran out to the store to get some like last minute stuff for like dinner. And it, it was like, I'm at your house. Like, why are you guys letting me in? We're like, because we're not home. Like, we're not there. expecting you for another <laughs> 45 minutes. Like, <laughs> so it, it took him a long time to get out of that uh, military habit of you need to be super early in order to be on time. Mm -hmm. We're like, okay, real world, like five minutes early. Okay. 45 minutes early, too early. <laughs> It's weird, but it's really enjoyable. I'm on, I'm on a little road trip right now, 
those that watch my show will notice I'm not, I don't have the same background as normal. The lighting's off. I'm on the road. I've spent, uh, I spent like a week at a ranch in Texas with, uh, it's owned by Philadelphia Eagles defensive lineman, Fletcher Cox. He was there helping host do this business seminar. And I took a couple of days down to San Diego and a couple of days down in Pensacola. And now I'm in North Carolina. I'm going to head to Nashville tomorrow for lunch and then end up in Memphis. People are like, how can you do this? I'm like, I've been coordinating things for most of my life, you know, and like, you're able to like get lunch between major cities on the road. I was like, yeah, like between the ranch and San Antonio, I dropped someone off at the airport at DFW and I met someone in Pflugerville and still made it to San Antonio for dinner when I said I was going to be there. And then I drove from San Antonio to Pensacola. I contacted someone hooked up for a lunch meeting in Lake Charles, Louisiana, in the middle of the drive, met for lunch on time, had lunch, made it to Pensacola when I said I was. Same thing going from Pensacola to North Carolina. Stopped in Atlanta, had lunch with three other guys. Made it on time, no problems. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, I'm a big planner. So it's like, yeah, you know, you can you can calculate everything out. You should be able to know when you're going to be places, you know, do those stuff. There's a lot of times where we stop and see people on the road when we're doing big road trips. And and yeah, like it, it takes planning, but you can do it. So with your with your team, where do you see your team growing? What do you see are the next things? Uh, with the team growing as we're onboarding more and more clients, we're bringing people on essentially to do one task. The goal is to have someone do one task for six months, get feedback, get encouragement, so they can really start crushing that task before we give them anything new. So I have a few guys um, that are about my daughter's age. My daughter's about 19. And one of her friends does audiograms for me. It's the only thing he does. I trade him. He does audiograms for me for free. And then at the end of every week, I give him uh, 30 minutes to an hour of my time for, to mentor and train him about something in the industry, something about business. And I've got another friend's kid that does transcription work for me. Same deal. Uh, doing transcriptions for me doesn't take too terribly long. But then we get to have conversations about how to do things, why it matters and whatnot. And when they get really good at them, I was like, well, you guys are pretty good at this. Uh, here's the deal. You guys can go out and you can sell your services and do whatever, um, you know, set your prices, whatever it is that you want to do to make some extra money. It's like, would you be interested if I found clients for the work that you know how to do? Would you like me to refer them to you so you can be the business or do you want me to set up the deal and split the money with you? And they both said, you set up the deal, split the money with us, which is cool. So in February, I got contacted by an NFT company. And since we do things like audiograms, we take audio, turn it into a short clip with a pretty background and one of those waveform lines with the audio printed on it. Uh, we got contracted to do something like 150 audiograms. Uh, we worked out a, a deal for 1500 bucks. I sent Alan the audio. He cleaned it up. He turned in the audiograms and we sent it back to the client and he earned 750 bucks for about three days worth of work. And I made 750 bucks for setting up the deal. 
Yeah. It's one of those things. Like I, um, been having conversations lately with someone and they're like, Oh, sometimes I feel like it's so hard to find good help because the people who are talented here, they want to be out there running their own business. And I'm just like, not everyone wants to be running their own business. Like they might be really good at what they do does not mean they want to be going out and sourcing clients and dealing with all that stuff. Like, you know, and I, I know I have interviewed a lot of people lately, especially in the marketing field that that's what they thought. They're like, I'll go out and do my own business. And then they're like, that, that was torture. Like, I just want to do what I'm good at. I do not mm-hmm. want to be running a business. And you know, I know there's some deals and everything that I have with people where we do their, their recruiting for their clients. It's, it's nice having sometimes those projects where I'm just like, oh, I didn't have to do anything sales-wise. It's like the work just comes my way. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, they deserve to get paid for doing those sales and keeping that client relationship. Some of that stuff is just a huge pain. And, uh, what, because podcasting, even though it's fairly well known, it's still not widely adopted. So we're still on the leading edge of the podcasting discussion. So I'm spending serious amounts of time educating people, talking about the benefits, really putting in the reps uh, the guy's doing audiograms, like he's not interested in having those conversations. Right. He's not, at all, he's not at all. He's like, no, you just send me the file and I'll do the thing. Perfect. I'll do that. And for someone at 19, they can put in shoot, maybe six hours of work to make $750. That's a huge windfall. That's a huge windfall, no matter how old you are. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. it definitely is. Yeah. And I think like, it's so important, like, just think about like, you know, for everyone as you're, as you're hiring people and growing your team, people don't want to do everything. They're not skilled to do everything. So really focusing on what should this person be doing? You know, very rarely do catch all positions actually work the way you want them to work in your business. Like they to never have someone, work the way yeah, you want it to work. Have it happens someone, when they get sick be specific. Yeah. Like, like that's the thing. like, if they're out, like I, we've, I've been talking to a lot of people lately, but they're like, well, even them as the business owner, they're like, what happens if I can't work? Mm-hmm. And it's like good question. Let's grow a team. So you have people that can, that can step in and help keep the lights on. They don't necessarily need to do everything that you do as a business owner, but do they know enough to keep the lights on and keep your clients happy if you can't work? Yeah, absolutely. Your job as a business owner is to get your team trained up to where they're doing everything and you can step in as the spare tire in case you get a flat, your tire gets sick, you have to fire your tire and you can fill that role as the utility person until you can bring someone else in to do that. When you have all the tires running as they should, it's your job to work on the business, to make sure you're navigating the right direction, to make sure they've got oil and gas and you're taking care of your people and you're making sure they can get time with their families or time for all the stuff they need to do and to make sure you're encouraging them. Action doesn't follow benefits. Action doesn't follow a big paycheck. Action doesn't follow awards. Action follows hope and opportunity. I was thinking, I heard a story that Bill Gates was paying people in pizzas until they got their first major deal done. You're running at all hope, all opportunity at that point. And you're like, well, we sell hope, you know, when we onboard new clients during the, um, 
during the hiring phase. Well, whoopity-doo, man. Are you selling hope every other day that the right. thing that they're doing is vital to your company, that's going to help it grow, that's going to make whatever the thing is that you're doing very valuable and exciting for the future? Is that person that's making copies all day long that really hates what they're doing? Have you dropped by and say, you know, hey, man, it's because you're able to make these copies on time that we can make these meetings and make these presentations happen so we can keep growing our company and give you the opportunity to move up later. Like, do you yeah. know how valuable you are? Yeah, like that's so important. Like every team member should know how their position impacts the organization. And it's not just, okay, we're doing these tasks. We're checking the box. It's like, what, what happens because you're doing these tasks? And when we help with uh, our clients with hiring and we, we go through a process to really find out who is their idea candidate, that's one of the things that we ask about. How does this position impact the organization? Like what happens because you have this position on your team? And it's not just like, oh, I get these tasks off my plate. Okay, great. Well, what happens because you get those tasks off your plate and you've delegated to someone else? Yeah, exactly. One of the big things in dealing with someone like nonprofits is you always hear these terrible stories about how they treat volunteers. Here's the deal. You don't have any idea who that volunteer is when they show up for the first time. They could be a master electrician. They could own their own, their own uh, uh, marketing agency. They could be a big time potential donor deciding where they want to give $10 million when they pass in a few years. So you have a little old lady showing up. Are you going to take the time to get to know them, to meet them, to find out what their special skills are, what they're passionate about? If you can figure out what someone's passionate about, you can get anything in the world done. I actually have talked to a few donors that have some seriously disgusting money that they want to give away. And they said they showed up as a volunteer and got treated like absolute dirt and then wrote a letter to the board and to the executive director about their experience. And they were no kidding, getting ready to leave $15 million. And this was essentially their last step. And they're like, I don't know where your, your eyes are. I don't know where your focus is, but your hands are off the wheel and it, it cost you. And I'm not saying this to hurt you. I'm saying this because if that's my experience, what's everyone else's experience? Right, right. Exactly. Um, you know, a, a few episodes back, like um, I guess uh, John Howard was on the show and he was talking about like one of the things that he really focuses on is treating his employees really well and focusing on his employees because they then in turn pass that on to the clients and the people that they work with. And so when you make your team members feel really valued, they then really enjoy what they're doing and they want to do well for the clients. And he goes, he's been in situations before too, where you can tell people just aren't enjoying their, their positions or not. They don't care about being there and it just creates a poor customer experience. Oh, absolutely. I know in the military, when you check in, uh, especially as an officer, there's kind of a path that you're going to be taking. And it has nothing to do with who you are as a person, nothing to do with your experience and nothing to do with your personal zone of genius. I got, uh, I was an instructor too, or as an officer and I got put in a, in a place and I'm like, like, I can do this for you, but just to let you know, this is nowhere near where my skills lie. 
And they're like, well, this is how it works and you need to get it done. I did a, a terrible job. It was so far outside of the things that I do well. It got done, but it was basically to the bare minimum standard. And they're like, you were kind of struggling. Like, what's up? I was like, you remember the conversation like six months ago? Like I told you explicitly, like this is very much outside my thing. And they bounced me around just like everyone to all these different jobs. You've got to move through the organization. And they were pretty frustrated with me. I don't blame them. They moved me over to the uh, operations department head. And they were like, this is quite the turnaround, man. What's, what's different? I was like, this is exactly the kind of person that I am. These are the things that I love doing. These are the things that I'm amazing at. And I understand why all the other stuff had to happen. But the reason you love me so much right now is because this is what I'm geared for. And I absolutely crushed it for them. And they were completely shocked. I'm like, don't be shocked. I'm just the first person to tell you that, you know, the, uh, the emperor is naked. Like King Midas is not wearing any clothes. <laughs> right, just no right. one's willing to tell you. They just shut up and go do it and they figure it out. And they, I don't have no idea how much energy they put into it, but holy cow, like if you're working outside your zone of genius, like you're going to have a hard time. If you're running an organization and you're bringing someone new in, the position is not the position. The position's based off the person. And if the person's not right for the currently assigned defined duties of that role, you're going to have a hard time. You're not going to exactly. know what's going on. The wheels aren't going to be running right. You're going to be running with two flats. You're like, why is everything slowing down? You've got the wrong person doing the wrong duties, whatever you call the position. Right. Exactly. And that's like, I know a lot of people say, well, this is a great person. Let's get him into the company. And I'm like, well, if you're in a small business, there's not many other places to put this person. And sometimes like really, really large organizations are like, get the person on the bus and then we'll find the right seat because we, we want this person's talents. And I'm like, large corporations, they can do that. Like you have 400 positions in the company. Okay. This isn't the right one, but we'll figure it out. Like when you're in a small business, you don't have all those extra things to move people around. So you really need to make sure that you're hiring the right person for the position that you have available. And you're not struggling trying to fit the square peg in a round hole. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right, Travis, we have to wrap up for today. So tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. They can find me at nonprofitarchitect.org or in any social media at Nonprofit Architect. Awesome. All right. And we'll definitely have links in the show notes over at growingyourteam.com so they can easily find you. All right. Last question that I love to ask all my guests. We've all had leaders or managers in our life that have stood out to us, whether in our business life or our personal life. So think of a great leader or manager that has stood out to you and share something about them. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the question. Uh, I'm going to talk about a leader I didn't have directly. This is Jim Mattis. He was the Commandant of the Marine Corps, I believe, and he was the Secretary of Defense. The reason I like him so much is because he takes these complex thoughts, these complex ideas, and he distills them down into really bite-sized, palatable, easy-to-understand, easy-to-execute ideas and I wanted to share his three-step communication process. And this is valuable. If you're not taking notes this whole time, uh, really wonder, you know, your dedication to your job or whatever. But these three things you've got to write down right here. Uh, we, we implemented this and put it by every phone 
uh, in the military that we work nearby. And it's really simple. What do I know? Who needs to know? Have I told them? Great questions. Yeah. What do I know? Who needs to know? And have I told them? You would be surprised how many communication errors are cleared up when you follow that easy to follow three-step process. Yeah, uh, it is. It is so great. Cause that's the thing. It's like, you know, but doesn't mean there are other people who need to know. No. So communicate communication is key. All right. All right, Travis, thank you so much for joining us on the growing your team podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Jamie. It's been a pleasure. And I always enjoy every time I get to see you and speak with you. Are you ready to hire a new team member for your business and you want to ensure you hire the person who can succeed in the role, make you happy, and positively impact your bottom line? Then set up time and let's talk because this is exactly how I help business owners like you. When you go through my hire framework, not only will you learn how to attract candidates who have the passion you desire, but you'll be able to identify and select candidates who have the skills you need and can succeed in the role. Going through this consulting process not only helps you find the right new hire for your current open position, but it teaches you how to repeat this process with every new position you add to your company as it continues to grow. So if you're a small business owner who is ready to hire, has a rough idea of the position you need to add, and you're tired of going through the hiring process only to end up with bad fitting team members, then let's talk. Send me an email at jamie at growingyourteam.com. That's jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at growingyourteam.com or head on over to growingyourteam.com slash jumpstart and let's talk about your hiring needs. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.